You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Buzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Revolution After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Revolution After Show. Welcome, 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 Yo, everybody. Welcome. Um, welcome to another episode of Revolution, Season 2, Episodes 8, Come Blow Your Horn. I'm your host, Larice Peoples. Hey, what's up? Ryan Hook's here on the other side. Man, this episode, it kind of took me by surprise. It was a little slower for me versus everything I've seen from all the previous seven episodes to where it was always like action, killing, but now it kind of... It took too long to get into the episode. You know, they started off good. They got the immediate torture scene, slaps in the face, really literally slapped you in the face at the beginning. But, yeah, then I think the middle started to drag a little bit until the very end when they started to, to get a little more plot line in there. Yeah, as you talk about drag, let's talk about how Major Neville, like his whole encounter with this episode, it was real kind of drug out throughout the whole episode. He really had no... It wasn't the the typical Major Neville that I've seen. The manipulation, yes, but again, he wasn't like real aggressive. It's kind of like sideline. Let me kind of talk to the commander, and it's really kind of slow. What do you think? I think it's a very tactical approach from we're seeing from Neville. I think he's realized at this point that he's getting up into these higher up people. That he's going to have more security. He's not going to be able to come in guns blazing, you know, traditional Neville style. He's going to have to work his way in slowly. He's going to have to you know, talk his way into these situations more so than to shoot people. Yeah, I mean, because his introduction, where it kind of kind of plays back to last week when he kind of poisoned um, Secretary Allen for it, and he kind of comes back on, he's speaking to her about, you know, who's your husband, who, mm-hmm. who's the chief in command, where can I find him at? Right. And, you know, and his thing is that I have to find him in order to, kind of, again, play, play a card because he's really trying to play his way up to find out who, I don't even think it's about his wife anymore. I, I think, it's think it's more either. about being more powerful, being be that dictatorship mentality. It's like, I want to rule. I want to be commander-in-chief now. Right. Putting himself in a position to make the right move. He even said, to when he was talking to Major Allenford, that he said, I'm an ambitious man. So he's obviously trying to play on his patriotic side, obviously trying to manipulate, but also to put himself in a situation where he's able to predict his own future and to control his own destiny. Yeah, I, I think more so like he did with Secretary of State. He's trying to build that trust yep. with everyone to where it's like they trust him because of what he's capable of doing. And I like how, you know, at the beginning when he comes to the Patriot camp, he's like, hey, I want to speak to your commander. And he's like, who are you? Like, and he kind of shows the the um, the wedding ring. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm someone that he wants to speak to because I have information about his wife. Right. And even says, I only want to speak to him. And also he says that he's from the other camp, the George, or the Texas camp. He tells them, you know, hey, I've been here and I was in Georgia. So I'm one of you guys. Yeah. And then, like, the conversation that he kind of had with um, Commander um, Allen for, it, you know, he, he, Commander Allen for, he's kind of hesitant mm-hmm. about the conversation and the information that he knows and I felt as if he, he really cared about his wife in the beginning because, you know, he's asking, like, where is she at? Is she okay? You know, and those type of things a caring individual mm-hmm. will, will say about someone that they love. 
I think we see a really nice parallel between Allenford, the the major Allenford, and uh, Neville because you know they, they both have that relationship where their wives are excessively important to them and they would do anything to protect their wives. Because when Neville was talking about you know hey I I think that I have your wife and I'm going to let you bring her in so that you can be the hero you can play up you know what you've done to help your patriotic state you know but then at the same time we seem really hesitant thinking he maybe wants to run away with her and. And Neville's like, why would you do that? You know, you're you're in a situation where you both die or she dies. Yeah. I mean, as they were kind of walking back to the camp with Major Neville had her held hostage, more or less captive, you know, and when the commander kind of pulls the gun on her, I'm like, oh, man, like, is he going to – is this the time when Major Neville actually dies? But, again, no. he kind of used his tactical thought process. Like, hey, you know, this is the pros and cons of the situation. You know, if you actually take her back, you know, she's going to die. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, they're going to look at him as being, like, a, a, a more of a hero where it's like, oh, well, you brought a, a fugitive in. But having someone else kill your wife, it's, I think that's right. a hard decision that he had to make. So. And, you know, and, and as Major Neville kind of explained to him, like, well, you can kind of run away with it, but then y'all both are fugitive. Then you have nothing to, like, to live for. And as it kind of goes into camp, my thing is that before they even get there, Jason, Jason flipped out. Yep. They, they uh, see that Secretary Allenford is trying to escape. She's trying to saw her handcuffs on the wall or, you know. Some kind the of way stove. to break the chain, something, something metal to cut the metal. Yeah. And then Jason comes in, pulls the gun on her, and tells her to stop. She tries playing with him, tries playing to his better parts. Then suddenly we see Jason has her hand around her throat. Yeah, he, choking her. He's. I, I think he kind of um, went back to the phase of like, I, I'm a killer. And as you can see in his vision, they you show know, the drugged vision. Yeah, because she t- she tells him like, you're you're not basically like you're still in that reprogramming phase from the re- reprogram. You're not totally 100% healed from that. You know, you still have drugs in your system. And it, it, the way things kind of look, I think it's going to kind of play a part in the next couple of episodes too, where he's going to kind of have those mixed feelings about what he's doing, who sh- whose side he should be on, and, and should he trust anybody? Because when he grabbed her around her neck, I was like, man, he's going to kill her. He snapped out on her. Yeah, I think that's going to play a really cool, integral part in the upcoming relationship because I think we're going to see more with Neville and Allen for it. I think, you know, he led her there, so he has gained some kind of trust with him. And I think Neville's not going to just let him walk out. You know, I think he's going to try to use that to the best, even if it means taking him hostage and, you know, taking him back to the camp as a prisoner. So hopefully that Jason maybe stirs things up a little bit. Yeah, because even when, you know, I think Neville is still kind of skeptical of Jason because when he kind of walks in, you know, Jason has a gun. He's like, hey, Jason, it's me. You're like, relax, calm down. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think once Jason kind of identifies his face, face, like, okay, well, this is right. my father. Let me just kind of relax and calm down. But Commander kind of comes in, and Secretary says she's surprised, but at the same time, she's not because she feels she, she knows what's about to happen right now, knowing that she cannot go back, knowing that they can't basically, like, run away and be with each other. And he kind of explains to her, like, in a compassionate way, like, I still love you, but this is something that I have to do. And she even propositions him, hey, let's run away together. I, I love you, I want to be with you, I forgive you. Let's, you know, and anything to save her skin, I think she's done in this episode, because all her dialogue, the whole episode, was just her trying to protect herself, trying to find ways to talk herself out of situations. Yeah. So, did you think he was gonna kill her? You know, I was a little sketchy at first about what I thought was gonna happen, and I was watching. and I was like, "No, he's not gonna shoot her." You know, <laughs> they're gonna maybe take her back to camp. I oh. thought so. 
I, I thought like when he walked in the door, his mindset was he's going to kill her because again, like he said, you wrote the letter, and the letter is the reason why why you're a fugitive right. now because you understood the circumstances and what we're what type of situation that we're put in. Regardless of our son, we finally found what the son name was Max. Yeah, Max. You know, we, regardless of what Max been through, we're still serving a purpose for the mm-hmm. country. And I just thought that he probably felt that you know it's probably better to kill you off than to continue to have you lingering and causing more problems. So do you think it's better that he killed her himself? Yes. He's the one that pulled the trigger. You know, I love you, I love you, bang. Yeah. Versus somebody else doing it or, you know. Yes, I think so. But do you think it's good for him that he did it so privately? I mean, in terms of his public office, do you think it would have been better if he would have taken her back to camp as a prisoner and done it publicly or... No, I don't think so because at the end of the day, he's already rank, a high-ranking officer, right. you know, it, it, amongst the Patriots. So it doesn't matter if he killed her now and, and by, by herself privately, or even if he killed her in front of the whole patriotic uh, camp. But at the same time, it's the dignity of if I kill you in front of everyone, I have to kind of live with that and face it, yep. versus like killing you in front of two people. So I think that's 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 what you have to kind of look at when you you know when you kind of oh well, would you like if your wife's dying and sick? Would you want to kill her in front of hundreds of thousands of people or in the privacy of the home of, like, you know, I'm going to keep it private and intimate and just leave it as that? I mean, I think it's different, though, because she's a wanted fugitive by the state. So if he kills her privately, he's going to go back and say, yeah, she's dead. I killed her. Are people going to believe him? Are they going to say, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. We'll stop looking for her. We don't need her anymore. You know, I mean, is he going to take a body back to prove it? But at the same time, I don't think he's going to tell anybody. It's it's basically it's just something amongst himself to, to where you know what I did it. I'm comfortable with it. Right. I can move on with my life, not knowing that okay, well, she didn't suffer. She got killed some way random. Exactly. You know, they didn't put her on trial. They didn't hang her. She didn't suffer. So she just kind of went out. She died easily. So I think that's one of the better things for. Her. I mean, you can ask people on iTunes. I think we could ask people on iTunes. Uh, you know, we can go on iTunes right now, and you can download episodes of our show from previous. You can uh, tell your friends. You can get us on Android devices, Apple devices, yeah. your tablets. You know, you can also go in there and tell our good friend Megan that we hope she feels better. Out sick <laughs> again this week. Uh, so we hope she gets better. Hope we'll see her back here next week. Yeah. And if you have any questions, rate us, comment us, please let us know so we can kind of, uh, again, we, we like the feedback that you give give to us. So we kind of utilize it on the show to make the show a lot, yeah. a lot better. Had a viewer comment on this week about Dr. Horn's character, about how perfectly cast he is for that role. Oh, is he? Uh, I agree. Uh, speaking of Dr. Horn, I mean, when you kind of look at Dr. Horn, he's kind of a, such a sketchy guy, but at the same time, he looks so very intelligent. Mm-hmm. You never really know what goes on with Dr. Horn, but as we can see, uh, what he did a flashback tonight, 18 years before the blackout, he had a, a, an encounter with his dad and his mom where, you know, his mom was dying. His dad kind of believed in everything's going to be okay, let's just pray about it, but he felt in his heart that, you know, prayer's not going to do it, she's dying. Right. And I, I think that I'm really glad they did this with Horn. Obviously, Come Blow Your Horn, title of the episode, episode <laughs> eight, that they gave us as viewers, we're torn about Horn now. Like, we wanted to hate him. He's a bad guy. We don't like what he's doing. Well, now we've got some sympathy for him. Yeah. Because he's, you know, his mom was sick and died when he was young, and his dad was, you know, crazily religious and only believed in the power of prayer. And obviously, he believed in the power of medicine, becomes a doctor. But it, it gives us a justification for Horn as a character. Yeah. And it, it makes you almost want him to find out what's going on. Maybe learn more about him. But at the same time, 
like they did a second flashback to where the pill bottle. Do you think he poisoned his like gave like overdosed his mom to die to take out her? No, I, I think that she was already dead. I think at, at that point with her father, you know, she he was he was saying she's really sick. She she needs help. Let's call the doctor in here. And he's like, I'm praying as hard as I can. I think he went and got medicine for her. It was just too late. I think she was dead regardless. Her father <laughs> or his father blamed him though for the pills, saying that he poisoned her, he drugged her. But I mean, at that time, you know. But at the same time, you gotta kinda look at though, like the first flashback they had of the mom. I thought automatically she was dead. That they just kinda just had the body there. Right. And, and didn't know what to do with it. Because he kinda brings her into it. He's like, Okay, cool. Like here's your mom. He's on his knees praying, horns looking at his mom like yeah, she's yeah. dead. Like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say to her? Because the way she kinda set up in the bed is kinda like, Okay, well and at a kid, you know, it kinda takes an effect on your life because you have to look at what type it's your mom. You know, you no longer have your mom there. It's a blackout. The world is terrible. Do you think that kind of is a reason why he's the way that he is? Oh, so dark I, and so scary. I think those two minutes of Horn's history justify his entire character. Yeah. I think he did a great job with that because it shows. I mean, he, at that point, believed in the power of medicine. That's why he became a doctor. That's why he joined into the government department, you know, where he's doing all this research and he's learning about all this technology. I think that's his driving force for his entire character is those two minutes about his mom and his crazy religious father, you know, and him wanting to believe in medicine to help people. Yeah. But also with Horn that we kind of find out when, you know, he's sitting there. I think the first glance of Horn was like he's kind of putting a needle injection in his arm. And I'm yeah. thinking, like, to me, it looked like milk. It looked like milk, yeah, or <laughs> some kind of syrup or something. Yeah, but then you kind of look at it. We kind of understand later on to, like, obviously he's sick. For whatever yep. the reason, we don't know what it is. You know, again, he's practicing medicine, so he's trying to find a cure for himself. Doing self-treatments. And I think the reason he's so um, eager to find information about Aaron, because Aaron, like, supposedly he died for, like, what, five hours? Two and a half two, hours. Two and a half dead. hours, and then came back to life. So he probably feels like Aaron is a miracle healer to help him with his disease. He actually called him his very own Lazarus, another religious reference brought back from the dead. Yes. So, so I mean, when actually when... The encounter with Aaron, he's he's wanting to know, like, how can you help me? How can you save me? And he identifies that, okay, well, I have a brain tumor. Yeah, he tells him, he's like, we're not, I'm not your enemy now. I want to be your friend because I need you to help me. Yeah. You know, I have a brain tumor. I'm dying. I think that you can heal me or there's something that you know or have inside of you that can fix me. And that's that's his goal. But, you know, it's kind of funny, though, because, like, when he first has Aaron, Aaron get captured, but when he started cut, cutting on Aaron, he I think he kind of do his like fun when he's like he's like slid like slid in his um his his forearm like four or five times just watching it heal. To me, I probably would be like, uh, let me do it again. Right, let me do it again. I mean, you gotta feel like although as much as you want to associate related to him, he's still a very sadistic character, very masochistic. So I think he's getting off on that power that oh, he yeah. has, and that's obviously the reason he's in the position that he's in is because of that demented, that psychopath side of him that's coming out every now and again that we see just a little bit here and there, you know, and that's why he's a villain. Yeah, and I, I just think overall, like, Horn has really played his character where, you know, he's very educated, he's very dark. Mm -hmm. Every Everybody's afraid of him. General Truman's, Truman's afraid of him. Rachel's afraid of him. Dr. Porter's afraid of him. Like, nobody really knows the backstory of why Horn is the way that I, he is. I hope we find out a little bit more about why. Because, I mean, yeah, everyone is afraid of him. And yeah. they've never really said, like, what he's done yes. to earn that. 
Yeah, and, and that's kind of the creepy part when you kind of look at from episode to episode that nobody knows why he has so much power. Mm-hmm. Is it is it his knowledge or because he has done certain things that people just feel like, you know what? This I'm guy's not- crazy. Yeah. Step back. Yeah, pretty much. But let's kind of go dive into Dr. Porter. Like, every week he started I, – I, I start to feel bad for him, but then at the same time, I don't. Because last week, he played a major part in Mm -hmm. the whole setting up the capture of Aaron, giving up Miles, giving up Monroe. And this week, you know, he kind of plays a part of, you know, it's starting to play on his feelings more mentally and emotional with him right now. Yeah, I mean, we've always seen an an emotional up and down with Dr. Porter because his justification for everything that he's done was getting medicines. His wife died horribly of a disease. You know, he wanted to help the other people that lived with him so that they didn't have to suffer, that they didn't have to die the way that she did. So his initial plan and initial thought process was helping people. Just went too far. Yeah. But as you kind of see in the beginning of the episode where, you know, General Truman, he, he you know, he tried to basically like wins the town people. And it's always like somebody who wanted to play play the townspeople against the next person. It's always like a villain and a good guy. Yep. You know, the Patriots always feel like they're the gr- the good guys, but they're actually the, the biggest villain mm-hmm. amongst everybody. But nobody questions about their action. All of a sudden, when they came into town, all these typical, not untypical things started happening because the explosion, the killing, the hanging, the death of um, Moreau Baz. They'd never seen this ever before in Willoughby. And all of a sudden, as soon as the Patriots come into town, it's like, man, we start having all these dramatic, traumatic situations. But the townspeople never question. Do you feel like that's kind of odd? I think at this point, 15 years into a blackout, the people that are still alive, I think they should be smarter than what they they portray them. <laughs> I agree. I mean... <laughs> Okay, one year, two years in, you still don't know what's going on. You know, we're concerned. This stuff's happening. I don't know why. I'm trying to protect myself. You've been alive for 15 years. Yeah. You've been providing for yourself in a situation that most people probably couldn't even imagine. you got to question things. you got to not just look at the people with the guns and say, hey, what are you doing? Okay, fine. I'm going to go back to living in my little village and farming. Yeah. So. But at the same time, nobody questions Dr. Porter. All of a sudden, he becomes like the great guy that everybody goes to. Right. Uh, all the Patriots know him. He always going in talking to General Truman, but nobody's questioning that. I will be. I'll be the guy like, "Hey, what are you doing? Why are you always talking to them? You know, I thought we were like great friends. Why you have such a better relationship with them? Are you working with them? I will be that guy because I want to know. Like, all of a sudden, as soon as the Patriots came into town, everything started to happen, and it seemed like you're the only person that's best friends with the Patriots. Well, Larissa, you and me both, and that's why we'd still be alive. <laughs> I, I totally but agree. I, I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I think, though, with them not questioning Dr. Porter, he's, again, the, the Patriots gave him medicine. So that gained him trust of the people around him. And everyone saw him helping and doing good. And, you know, whether it was for the wrong reasons or not, he was still doing things to help other people. So people saw him as a source of hope, a source of help. Yeah. You know, and he's a doctor. How often do you question what a doctor does? It's not about his practice. It's about his relationships. Right. I, but, you know, if if he's in a situation where he's the main guy in town that's sort of the semi-leader of the town, and he's talking with these other people, the Patriots, maybe the people see him as, okay, he's in there helping us, protecting us, doing the right things for us. Because they don't know that he's with them. They don't know that he's doing bad things. So yeah. they maybe, because he's built this trust over this time, see him as... Somebody that they can trust. Somebody they can believe in. 
I would still question him. I would still question him. Because even when um, uh, General Truman goes up and tells him, like, hey, you know, Miles Matheson, Stu, it's kind of like... Yeah, <laughs> Stu Redman. Like, Stu Redman, but he's actually Miles Matheson, and he's the person who actually... Um, who um, Set the bomb off. Set the bomb off. And, you know, Dr. Porter was like, yeah, you know, they kind of manipulated my daughter and my granddaughter. So, you know, if y'all see them, you know, protect right. them and everything. But still, his main goal, he really don't care about Miles uh-uh. at all. He never did care about Miles. The only thing he cared about is his daughter. And he feel like everything he's doing now is for Rachel and Charlie. But I think a lot of stuff that he's doing is it more to keep himself alive. I think so. Or to really to keep Rachel and Charlie alive. I think it's he's number one himself. He's looking up because he, he kind of... Gives in a lot. He kind of is a little bit of a pushover towards these last couple episodes where he's just kind of like, okay, fine. I'll tell you what you want to know. Just don't hurt him. I'll tell you what you know. Just don't hurt him. Never really doing anything to to stand himself out, to justify his status, you know. And I'm glad that we finally see later on with his section of character him doing something. I I even said it last week. I I feel like he's going to finally do something where he's going to have to make a stand one way or another Yeah. that – it's going to be him standing up for the right reasons or him rolling over and selling on everybody that he loves. Yeah. And I, and I think the biggest thing is now is that, like you said, he want to make that stand. And which, you know, as the episode kind of goes on, he kind of makes that stand because he figured out with Miles and Rachel, for some reason, it's like... It's only one or two places you can hide in Willoughby. If you're not in place A, you're in place B. And so that's something I always find you so easily right. because he finds, like, Miles, Charlie, and Rachel so easily and walks in there. Right. And they're kind of, like, shocked, like, what are you doing here? You're a traitor. I don't know why you're here. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of – do you feel like that's kind of ironic, though? The, he just walked in on them? Yeah, it's like, it's like one or two places to hide. That nobody else ever looks. The the two they find Aaron right away because he tells them. They find them right away because he tells you know. Yeah, but even though again, his whole thing is that he wants to protect Rachel mm-hmm. and Charlie. He gives up Aaron easily, very easily, so easily to where he's like, oh well, you know. And I wonder, did he hear them discuss the plan prior to to meet Bass? Like, okay, well, tell Bass to meet him at the boat boatyard. And that's where he's at. So that's where he knew where Aaron would be at. Because, again, Aaron get captured because of him, his ability to tell, hey, you know what? I'm going to help you guys out one more time with the Patriots. This is where Aaron, Aaron is. And he goes and capture him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he told him that because he knew. I think he just knew that's where Aaron likes to go. Because Aaron's been in that spot several times. That's his, like, hangout. He goes there because yeah. he used to have three boats. He likes hanging out in the boatyard. Uh, so I don't know if he necessarily knew or heard because you would assume they would have changed the original plan yeah. based on knowing that he sold them out. Yeah. So that's I, I don't think he knew. I just think he got lucky because there's one of two hiding spots in Willoughby. Yeah, so. it's like it's always like one or two hiding spots, whether it's inside the town or outside the town. It's always like one or two hiding spots. What do you think with uh, in this situation with Dr. Porter, uh, Charlie's reaction to everything? Charlie doesn't seem so mad, doesn't seem to – be upset or hurt by the fact of what he did. But I think Charlie, she, she's a realist. She understands that, you know, he's doing it because, for one, for the townspeople, it has to be a reason behind the reason why he's, why he's helping the Patriots and the reason why, you know, he's giving up information. Yeah, but, you know, and her thing is that he hasn't given up them just yet, and she just feels like it's still grandfather. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a reason why he's doing what he does. And I think she just kind of understands that. I think that Monroe and Miles have rubbed off a lot on Charlie in these, oh, this yeah. part of the season. And I think she's become very jaded, but very 
open to various things, not knowing people's justifications or why they're doing things, but accepting of the fact that, you know what, sometimes you do what you got to do. Yeah, and, and that's what it is because even when, you know, Dr. Porter kind of came in and he kind of talks to Charlie with a surprise, it's that he coming to, he's coming to let them know that, you know, this is what's happening. And, you know, to kind of justify the reason why he, he's been doing what he's doing. And as you said said earlier, the reason that he's doing it because his wife died and he didn't want to see anybody else die. So that's the reason, one, he took all the meds, but right. also the reason why he was helping the Patriots. Because, again, he probably felt as if, like, if I don't help the Patriots, they're going to kill everybody in Willoughby. Yeah, and, I mean, he was, again, his actions and justification at the time were in his mind the right thing to do because he wanted to help people. And it, it just became a situation where he was pushed over so long that he didn't realize that now the things he was doing, the actions he had, weren't helping people, that they were wrong, that they were on the wrong side, that he was hurting people. Yeah. I mean, because even in his, while he's in there in the outhouse to help explain yeah. the, about everything that's happening, uh, General Truman appears outside out of nowhere for, for whatever the reason again it's like one or two places to hide because and miles automatically think like you know dr porter gave sold us, us up he sold us out what's happening and everything do you think he sold him out i don't think so i think i believe him at this point just the way that he said it i mean i don't think that you know again two places to hide how many how long is it going to take them to find him if they're still in town so no i don't think he told him but at the same time, if I was him and I knew that General Truman was questioning my loyalty, I like I would at least try to come up with a tactic to kind of okay, let me kind of like sneak around, you know, go around this building about three or four times and then kind of go over and check if this building. Following him, yes, he just like he just went directly to like how that number two is like all of a sudden like two or three minutes later, and General Truman's outside and, and he and like he explained to him like, well, you know, you can't give yourself up. You know, like, let me go out there first and kind of talk to them. Right. But in the meantime, it's like his whole reason for him going out there was to help them escape. And when he goes out there, you know, he pulls the knife on General Truman. Makes a stand. Do you think he's going to kill him? No. Absolutely I, I, not. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that, you know, his stand would have been a little bit longer for so that Miles was able to escape. But it was really, like, short, like maybe, like, 30 seconds to yeah. where, like, General Truman, like... Truman knocks the knife right out of his hand, puts him on his knees. Exactly. And, like, Miles and Rachel, everybody plans to escape, so they end up escaping, which is a good thing. So I guess we'll actually see more of Rachel and Miles on the next episode, which I don't think they're going to escape either. I mean, actually get captured either. No, no. I think that... They're gonna they're gonna get away. Obviously, they're not gonna go too far because they're not gonna leave Aaron behind. Yeah, you know, and they realized they saw that he was brought back in when uh, when they were gonna try to drop the poison in that building. So they stop him because they see that he's been captured. So they're not gonna go far. Yeah. But. Speaking about the poison, the most um, so, like I would say satire about you know with Rachel and Charlie when she makes the statement of like, hey, you know. I, you know, I imagine us, like, cooking together, but not like this, like, creating a bomb, more like cooking food, but not, like, creating not a bomb. Not cooking bombs, cooking meth in the kitchen, whatever, you know. Yeah, it was kind of like, well, I'm pretty sure under certain circumstances, like, you know, it's good to share that those moments with each other, but not like this. And, you know, Charlie kind of states to Rachel, like, why do you have so much hate and anger? You know, she's like, I could hate you. She's like, I hate you. Mm-hmm. I did hate you for the death of, you know, her father, her brother, and yep. all the other deaths. But she's like, 
I could have hated you more, but she really don't hate her mom because she understands what it means to like forgive and move on past a hatred. But it's not like Rachel just have this hatred amongst yeah. her. And she even blames her for the death of Nora back in season one too. Yeah, who was with him for quite a long time. Yeah, and she says that it's 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 harder for you to let go of the hate than it is to actually hate. And she said that was the hardest thing Rachel. Uh, Charlie says this to Rachel. It was the hardest thing that she had to do was let go of the hate. Yeah. So she doesn't want to see her mom get consumed by this. And she's, I think it's too late. I think we've we, we got a couple of good little spots in this episode with Charlie and Rachel interacting and talking about feelings and, you know, progressing as characters. Yeah. So. I think they're going to have a lot more um, encounters where, you know, they kind of talk about their feelings, mm-hmm. the family, and the decision that was being made amongst the family and the reason why Rachel has done what she done or the reason why Charlie is the way that she is. Um, which, which is a great thing so we can actually see what's really going on. But, I mean, overall, I just think that, you know, Dr. Porter has done a great deed this time, yeah. this week. <laughs> finally, again, finally, as I said last week, I was expecting him and hoping that he would step up and do something to help, I don't know if he saved the day, but at least progress us to another episode. Yeah. So at least we can live the fight another day. So he's out there and saves them, gets them all free, as we see and every major villain TV show and or movie the bad guys can't shoot, so they escape. Oh, yeah, but of course, always. The stormtroopers can't shoot. Just run. You'll be yeah. fine. But I, Exactly. I mean, you would think... I mean, I guess one one reason why, because they, like, Miles and Rachel, Miles and, Rachel and Charlie, they are kind of, like, outnumbered. But normally, you know, Miles is, like, the great... He's a tactical guy. He's smart. You would think that... And because they only had, like, five or ten troops out, I think they could have taken them, you know, at gunpoint. I think that... They gotta realize eventually that they're gonna need twenty, thirty, forty troops to finally catch these everyone at one time. Yeah. So. Do you think Miles starting to revert back to who to who he was in the beginning and like the Monroe militia? Because in the beginning of the episode, he was beating up the guy for information. Do you think he's gonna basically revert back to to what he was in the beginning, a killing machine? I think it depends on how much they incorporate Miles and Monroe together. Yeah. Because when Monroe was around. Miles doesn't want to be that guy. He doesn't yeah. want to be Monroe-like. So he knows that when he's by himself, and as he said in a previous episode, if I don't do this, or if he doesn't do this, I have to do it. Yeah. You know, so he's justifying this because it's helping them. Yeah. But speaking of Miles, did you see what's going on? What's going on with his arm? It looked like some kind of blood poisoning or... It was like Affection. real deep, deep as red, and it wasn't like a small strand, like veiny, it, like real, like like one inch veins on both, like just wrapping around his arm. What do you think? You think it's kind of think he lose his arm? I mean, I, I think it's an infection in the, the broken of his hand. I mean, if there's something inside of there that's not healing properly, that you know, blood poisoning is my first thought when I saw it. Yeah. So I don't think he could lose his hand. You think that's gonna uh, like help the Patriots capture Miles because he's not because he's right handed and that's his sword hand and it's his that pretty much predominantly his fighting hand. Do you think that's gonna um limit him to his fighting tactic? I think he's been doing just fine without it. I mean his hand was full on broken a couple episodes ago and he was fighting and getting away. So But affection will make him sick. Maybe. So I think that's really gonna hurt him. I think we're gonna see a little bit more in that because they wouldn't show it this they, episode. Yeah, they just hinted at it just to tease us a little bit, so it'll come up more here in the next couple episodes. Yeah, I think so. it's gonna be pretty scary. So what well, let's talk about Aaron though. Um Aaron and Cynthia, they kinda have that they don't have that great relationship anymore. Not right now. I mean, how would you feel if you saw the guy that you were in love with or a female that you were in love with blow somebody up <laughs> on fire? <laughs> No assumptions over here. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think more so that 
at, at the same time, I'll probably be more on their side because I know, you know what? They can protect me. But at the same time, I wouldn't put anything past them. So I'll feel secure because they're able to protect me. But I'll feel weird because it, it actually happened. I think Cynthia's weak and... I don't know. We'll see if she gets written off here very soon. I know, right? But you also have to look at Cynthia now because soon she identifies what has happened. She's putting two and two together because at the at the boatyard previously, mm-hmm. when her husband Charles died, you know he he died because he was set on fire, and so she's questioning Aaron now, like, "Are you the one who did it? Like, what happened and everything? What do you think about that?" I think it took her. Five episodes too long to put it together. <laughs> he told her several episodes ago, hey, this has happened. Hey, this is going on. Hey, I have this problem. Hey, can you help me with this? She didn't listen. She didn't believe him. She said, oh, it's God. He's doing this. Yeah. He told you a bunch of times, this is happening. You should have listened five episodes ago. But, yeah, I, I think it was interesting that that was the immediate thought, that she questioned him about the car incident and the yeah. death of her ex-husband or husband at the time. Uh, and the fire. Yeah. But I was a little surprised that Aaron didn't defend himself more about the situation. Give her more details. Because at that time, he didn't realize that he did it. It took him a year yeah. you know, to realize that after the second death at the train yard, that this is what caused this. And it was me. And I'm the one that started these fires. And, yeah. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have told her either. So, But at the same time, I think he didn't tell her. Because the fact that he didn't want to hurt her anymore. Yeah. Because to find out, oh, not only did my husband die, but I have a cheating husband. And he died because he was cheating. And you saw it and everything that uh, uh, that, that happened. And now it's starting to come to light. And I think it would have hurt her more to kind of understand, like, my, my husband was cheating on me. You know, even though he got caught on, you caught him on fire. But you set him on fire. But at the same time, I think cheating is worse than understanding, like, oh, well, he died in the fire. I agree. But, I mean, I, I still think that he could have threw a couple lines in there like, hey, you know, I didn't realize that I did this. Or, hey, he was cheating on you. Or, you know, something to to help Aaron. Again, Aaron rolling over and being Aaron, being afraid yeah. of any kind of confrontation. So we'll see what happens with their relationship in the next couple weeks here. Because I feel like I saw general concern on Cynthia's face after Aaron was captured and when she was in the cell. But I think it was more so probably because she was captured and they, she didn't know what they was going to do. But also at the boatyard, you know, Bass, Monroe, like, tactical Bass, <laughs> like, out of nowhere. Monroe. You, you know, he's like, well, Aaron, he was like, well, I'm going back to, again, he loved Miles. He's going back to, like, to help capture, help save Miles because he know that they haven't gotten out of the city yet. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden the troops come up and Monroe just literally, like, just slaughter, <laughs> like, six troops in, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> I saw he's probably like the best fighter I've ever seen in my life. I like Monroe's little little comments in this section because I, I, his you know his reasoning for fighting Miles I think at this point isn't about his devotion to Miles. Yeah, it's about his son that we don't know, we haven't met, that we want to find out more information about. So he needs Miles for that more than anything. Yeah, you know. And then Aaron's like, "Well, we wouldn't survive three days without you," and he's like. You think you'd survive three days? <laughs> Immediately, two seconds later, they're getting attacked, and yeah. he takes out six soldiers by himself. No big deal. Doesn't yeah. even flinch, you know. But then at at the same time, you know, like like Monroe, like Bass said, he's like, they want you alive. What they would do with me, they would kill me. <laughs> and as you can see, they got captured. My thing is, when they got captured, why did Aaron get angry and set them on fire? I don't. Every time that he's been angry, someone's been getting hurt. There's been some kind of emotional attack. At, at this point, no one is getting attacked. No one's getting hurt. They're just 
catching them. Yeah, but I just think because his love for Cynthia that he probably would have, like, set them on fire and then they would all escape. Be a bunch of burning soldiers in the field. That would be too fun. <laughs> but also, you know, with Aaron, easy. with Aaron, as it, as it kind of comes back into, like, him and Dr. Horn, the interaction with him, you know, they drug Aaron so that Aaron is not capable of getting angry because mm-hmm. he, he's so sedated. So he's not able to, like, literally... kind of relaxed, kind of calm. Right? Yeah, so he would not utilize his, his nanite power to, like, to burn anyone up. And as, you know, Dr. Horn's talked to him, he's like, I really want you to help me to save myself. Yeah, and, and, and it's kind of, like, significant now. So Aaron has more of a a bigger purpose with the nanites and, you know, a bigger purpose with Dr. Horn because, again, is he going to save Dr. Horn? Will he be capable of saving Dr. Horn or will he just destroy everyone? I guess we'll find out. And then as you, as, you, as you can see at the end of the episode, when he kind of gave him, like, a, an adrenaline shot. Some kind of something to spice. He said this will perk you up, so I'm assuming it was adrenaline or some sort of drug of sorts. Yeah, and then they use Cynthia. They bring Cynthia in to use her to really to help Aaron get angry to see what happens because when the soldiers have to kind of have the, um, the knife to, um, to go after Cynthia, you know, Dr. Horn was like, hey, let me get out of here. It's kind of like a comical joke. He's like, it's because it's about to get hot yeah. in here. Yeah. <laughs> And he kind of, like, walks out and shut the door. You know, and as the episode kind of goes off, it's like, well, all you see is a big flame. What do you... Right when he stabs Cynthia in the gut, he screams, fire explodes, blackout. Man. Uh-huh. It's going to be pretty interesting. And let's go into predictions then. Well, hold on. Before we get that oh, far, I got some news and gossip. After Buzz TV News. Yes, yes. So, uh, Matt Viro... From TV show Switched at Birth, he'll be yeah. joining the cast here coming up as a character by the name of Connor. Um, described as sexy, charming, a little bit cocky, and very dangerous. Monroe's son. Do you think it's Monroe's son? Yes. That was Monroe's I, son. As soon as I read that, I was like, this has to be Monroe's son. <laughs> Monroe's son. Very dangerous and a little cocky. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. Monroe's son. Okay. Well, I, we'll look forward to seeing him here in the next week or so and see what happens with that. Well, let's go into predictions. All right. Now let's go to predictions. Let's see what you think about next week. Predictions. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. Um, I'm going to start off first. I think the prediction is that Rachel and them, they're actually going to save Aaron, for one. Her dad might, I think her dad's probably going to be captive or die. Think he's going to get written off here soon? Yeah. I would think that that is a good prediction, that, that Dr. Porter has served his purpose and is no longer important, will be gone. Do you think that... We're going to see a lot of death next week. Yeah. I, I do. I think with Aaron being captured. What about Cynthia? Do you think Cynthia is going to stick around? Do you think they're going to take her as well? Uh, with that stab one, I think she's going to die. I hope so. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't say that a lot. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I hope, I hope best for everyone in the show. <laughs> However, the character of Cynthia, give or take, could leave with her. Yeah. Uh, other prediction then, I think that. Aaron is going to learn a little more about his power and his ability and maybe be able to control it some. Maybe not necessarily to the extent that Dr. Horn wants him to, but I think that we're going to find more about him and what he can do. Great. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining in with us tonight for Season 2, Episode 8. Come blow your horn. You can find me on all social media networking sites at... True Peoples, T-R-U-P-E-O-P-L-E-S on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Also, check out truepeoplesmedia.com. Cool. And you can find me at RyanHooks92 on Twitter, Instagram, Yahoo. Hope to see you guys later.
from executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.